Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Kushal from Far Eye, and it was such an amazing episode talking about their origin story, really getting to know how they got started and how they are where they are today. Plus, we talked all about their solutions for last mile delivery. We talked about their focus on sustainability and we focused on their customer experience and how that's really a game changer for them. And so it was a great episode. And if you missed it, go and check it out over on letstalksupplychain.com or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 249. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community. New innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O dot com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am super excited to be here with you today. We've got a lot of great things happening over across the Let's Talk Supply Chain social media, as well as YouTube. And today, I'm excited to welcome an industry powerhouse to our Woman in Supply Chain series. She's a logistics and supply chain expert for a leading global shoe brand. Any idea who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the poll of the week. So this week's poll is all about the Winter Olympics. What is your favorite Winter Olympic sport to watch? So 35% of you said skiing, 29% of you said ice hockey, 22% of you said curling. Hey, I like curling too. 14% of you said other comment below. Audria said figure skating. Michael said all of the above. I guess we should have had a button for that. Andrea, speed skating. Michael, speed skating. Adrian, hashtag bobsled. Love that. Audrey says uh, snowboarding and luge. Irene, figure skating and snowboarding. And uh, Lee says aerial skiing. Brianna says figure skating. So much more figure skating. Carrie Jean says figure skating. Alicia says speed skating, figure skating by Melissa. 
and um, lots more. We had a ton of people comment on this particular post. So if you didn't check it out, go and check out that poll just to see the comments and what everybody was excited to watch at the Winter Olympics. Thank you so much to everyone who participated in our poll of the week. Remember, we do a poll every single Wednesday morning. So make sure to head over to the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page and check it out. So now back to today's podcast and the incredible woman in supply chain I have with me today is Mary McNelly, an experienced and talented leader. Mary's knowledge and experience covers all aspects of logistics and supply chain. In her 13-year career with leading retailer Crocs, Mary has risen through the ranks to become the Senior Director of Global Logistics and Supply Chain Network Design. Today, Mary will be talking to us about her career so far, her passion for logistics, and the role of innovation, automation, and agility amidst major disruption. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in the industry, as well as her words of advice for all of the women following in her footsteps. This Woman in Supply Chain feature was made possible by our sponsor, Emerge. As a company focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships, Emerge is proud to sponsor Woman in Supply Chain. Through its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement process, enabling shippers and carriers to make more strategic decisions. Go and check out their website, emergemarket.com. So welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited today. I am super excited to have you here. You and I have been talking about this for a very long time, and I'm also really excited because we're going to get to see each other in real life again after a couple of years. And to be honest with you, it's just great to see women succeeding in big roles in the industry. And your approach is inspirational and forward-thinking, and I do love a pair of Crocs. So (laughs) I'm really looking forward to our chat today, so let's just dive right in. I always like to start these shows by going going on a journey with our guest. And because so much of what shapes us as people now is that journey we've been on. So take it back to the beginning. Did you always want a career in supply chain? Does anybody answer yes, Sarah? <laughs> Does <laughs> anybody say, like? I dreamed of, you know, supply chain and, and container boxes when I was seven. And that's where I knew I wanted to be. <laughs> well, okay. I might be the exception, right? Because we've been talking <laughs> about that stuff at the dinner table since before I could remember. And I think there are some people that do have dreams of being in supply chain now. But yes. no, most people are like, I fell into the industry or it just kind of happened and I fell in love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm the, I just, it just kind of happened and I fell in love person. I think if I knew how spicy logistics could be, I probably would have uh, chosen it as a career path. But my degree is actually in religious studies. So uh, at the time, I thought I wanted to go be a PhD candidate and go on and teach in university. And then I realized that I um, didn't want to be in debt forever. (laughs) So I actually took on a job that was an eight to five job with Crocs as a customer service manager. And um, the career has just blossomed through taking on different challenges, asking questions, having amazing mentors along the journey. And um, I, I... I've earned every step I've taken, but I also couldn't have done it without Crocs and without people within the company enabling to make that happen. And I wouldn't change it for anything. I love logistics and supply chain and problem solving. And what's more important is 
we're creating history in supply chain right now because of COVID. And it's so awesome to be a part of that and to be with a Crocs, the Crocs brand during that moment too. Yeah, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> and actually, I just finished a conversation uh, for The Hive by UPS talking about how the next 10 years are actually going to be the most exciting time to be in supply chain. So if yes. you're listening and you're not in supply chain, you might want to jump into the industry. And mm -hmm. if you're in supply chain thinking about leaving, don't leave just yet. Give us a few more minutes. True, true. I think a lot of people... Um, say I'm interested in supply chain, like it's a big, whatever supply chain is, it means a lot of things. So to that point, I did talk to somebody um, who was a college student at the time and they were interning with the company and they said, well, I love supply chain. And I was like, well, what part of supply chain? And they said, well, I don't really know. And, and I think for the people who are like, I'm interested, but I don't really know, jump in and just start because you'll find whatever it is. If you're true to yourself, you'll find it because there's something for everybody some, somewhere in the supply chain realm. Yeah. And you'll figure it out. And like you did with your career, you know, hands-on experience. You've been with Crocs throughout your whole career and you've really been able to dive into different business departments, right? Yeah. Um, and different departments of the actual business to get your hands on and learn. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about supply chain, it's interconnected with pretty much every single department in a business. And so yes. to be able to get a good understanding of what goes on in each department really is to a benefit in a career in supply chain. And so now you're Senior Director of Global Logistics and Supply Chain Network Design at Crocs, which is an incredible role, but must be just crazy right now, um, especially around the network design piece, because everybody's sort of trying to figure out where to spend their supply chain risk right now. Yeah. So tell us all about this role. What does it entail? What does a day in your life look like? Yeah, first off, say that title 10 times fast. I think sometimes I've even stumbled over it, but it's amazing. I mean, I've, I've grown into the logistics space. Like you said, I started in customer service and uh, evolved into kind of the supply chain and to some analytics and, and kind of came back to logistics. Um, but it means to me, the customer is always at the center of whatever we're doing, right? It, it, it comes back to that customer experience because at the end of the day, supply chain wouldn't exist without the customer either. So that's always my purpose when I come back and say, if I'm being a steward of the company, it's either because I'm doing what I can to protect margin or I'm doing what I can to service the customer and ideally both. Um, but yeah, the, the role itself is a new addition to my title is the network design piece of it. And I love the fact that at Crocs, we've chosen to put network design within distribution logistics and even within logistics, because I think a lot of companies are realizing that, you know, you can have a great sourcing plan or you can have a great destination footprint, but if you don't make sure those are connected effectively and can actually execute, it falls, it falls apart and logistics in the last three years have really proven incredibly either enabling or disabling if you don't think forward and have the right relationships and strategy. So it's pretty amazing. Um, and as a brand, Crocs has just grown year over year after COVID. And, you know, we continue to see growth all over the world. We just acquired a new brand called Hey Dude. So we now have our own growth that we had ahead of us. And now we have to integrate a new brand into our supply chain and our growth strategy. So everywhere you look, it's kind of a, it's opportunity, but you've got to also say, how are we going to execute this, get control on the network and try to stabilize despite the world around us, whether it's sourcing challenges, it's transportation challenges, it's uh, destination footwear challenges, or even the final mile piece of it. 
Um, so it's, it's pretty, pretty fun because it's constant problem solving and you're right. It's, we're busy. There's, there's no dull moment by any means. Well, and think about it. If if you're looking for something within creativity, network design, you know what I mean? Like you could take what you like to do as a creative person and really turn that into a career within supply chain just through that network design piece. And it's really, really smart because that really is a competitive advantage is utilizing your supply chain, utilizing that network design as a competitive advantage and putting that customer first, but also knowing where your drop points are and where your risks, where you really want to take those risks. And so, you know, you, you've worked for Crocs for nearly, 13 years now. And you mentioned that you started off as a customer service rep and you've had an incredible, you know, career progression there. So what is it that you love so much about the business, about the brand that's kept you so loyal over the years? It's, it's such an amazing company to work for. I mean, you look at the shoe and the shoe itself just is fun, right? And the company's done an amazing job of trying to turn that into work culture. So work culture, it's an amazing place to be. Anytime you ask somebody, um, you know, what's your favorite thing about the company, they'll always say the people and the team. And I reiterate that it's such a fun uh, and amazing place to be. The flip side is when we go out to the industry, it's a fun brand to represent. So I know I've said the word fun a few times, but that's true. You know, we get to go to the market and say, Hey, we represent this brand and people go, Oh my gosh, that's really cool. What's it like? That must be so fun. And, you know, you can start talking about um, what the supply chain is, what the product is. And a lot of people light up. A lot of people are really passionate about the brand itself. And, um, and then we get to bring that to our relationships and our relationship dynamics with our partners and our vendors and our approach. So I love that as a, as a steward of the company, I get to be authentic, right? There's not a, um, a, script that I need to enact to meet all of the tenets of the company, me being true to myself gets to enact that. And um, I don't think that's common in a lot of places. And so I've had sponsorship in my career growth. I've had leadership take risk on me. But the flip side is I get to represent this brand authentically as, as a woman in supply chain, which is awesome. Yeah. And you've mentioned fun a lot. And I know you have fun with the problem solving aspect, but I do know that there's some supply chain professionals out there probably listening to this, pulling their hair out as we speak because of all of the disruptions that we've seen over the last few years. And I've seen a couple of interesting articles about how Crocs avoided some of the pain of shipping delays and how you actually established a new distribution center to meet increased demand. It seems like you and your team have been incredibly proactive. Do you want to talk us through that and how you have put that forefront through all of this? Yeah. I mean, first off, it's fun, but it's definitely not rainbows and sunshine all of the time, (laughs) you know, but you have to enjoy what you're doing. And I think that goes back to the, if you want to be in supply chain, you're that person who's, some people use the word masochistic, but just who enjoy challenge and who enjoy, you know, constantly trying to solve and solution. And you find um, joy in that wherever you work, right? You've got to come to center about what brings you joy. Um, and I I feel like I've unlocked that, but certainly hasn't always been rainbows and sunshine. Um, when we look at the Ohio facility where we've, we've just um, gone through so many different iterations of transformation the last three years. And it actually starts back in 2018 
maybe even 17, um, we were looking forward at our network and constantly challenging our network study. And I didn't run it at the time, but the leaders in distribution logistics looked at it and said, you know, we have a warehouse that's in California, but our main client base is on the East Coast. And here's this Amazon Goliath that's changing consumer expectations to two days. And we're, you know, moving uh, ground or slower across the country in small parcel network. And the only way to compete is to start upgrading. You just, you erode at that margin by pulling the upgrade lever of two day in a parcel network. So um, that was a huge piece of the business case to move to Ohio. And I'm so glad we did because trying to execute peak season out of Southern California now, I mean, it was challenging before COVID and carriers are struggling through it. Um, And then we've been able to leverage diversity through ports. I mean, these were all benefits that nobody could have obviously seen COVID happening, but they're levers that we've been able to get to pull um, since we moved. And then we went live at the end of 2018 and into 2020 and then COVID happened. Um, but one little caveat is when we went live, we were out of capacity of the building. It, it basically, wow. the brand took off so much, even in the time it took us to build the building that we couldn't execute the business. So we had to pull the lever quick. And so that's the uh, couple of the articles that are out there about our kind of pop-up distribution center um, that we worked with Six Rivers to be able to perform. And even that was, that was a lot of work to try to execute that and try to execute peak season of 2020. And if you step back and think about the internal dialogues that had to happen where, you know, we thought we were going to pull that lever, COVID happens, you close down your business just because everybody did, and then you turn it back on because now everybody wants, you know, comfort in their foam shoes at home. And we've got to react to have the biggest peak season that we've ever had out of that new facility that we that we opened. So a lot of hard work in the team members to come up with solutioning that pop-up center um, and then that was that's actually temporary. That's not intended to be long term because we are putting more investment into um, more automation in that Ohio facility to continue moving those pairs. So ton of work has gone into that. And then you think through all of that on top of you know, COVID disruption at the ports, COVID disruption in production, kind of anywhere you look in supply chain, there are these I call it market conditions because there are things that we can't control. There's yeah. a lot of market conditions that you have to step back and, and navigate through and think, okay, how do we get ahead of it? And what are the ramifications of trying to get ahead of it? Because naturally, even if you take a step towards the East Coast ports to avoid the West Coast ports, there's ramifications. And we've got to make sure yeah. you, you weigh those out and understand what those are. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of collaboration across the teams. Yeah. Well, you know that I love that word collaboration, but I think that the, the success of everything that you're talking about really comes down to your leadership. So that let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, from what I've seen and from the research going into this particular episode, your approach is very innovative, strategic, and agile. And that was even before the pandemic. And those are all very on trend. They're all growing in importance and really um, crucial to good leadership in supply chain. So how can more business leaders across the industry better nurture that kind of mindset? Like what kind of advice would you give to leaders in supply chain right now? Yeah, I think the biggest one is going to be executive support and buy-in, right? So we have an amazing leadership team who is understanding of supply chain, they're understanding of disruption in the supply chain, and they're constantly willing to be innovative. So you certainly have to tell the story about how um, taking steps A, B, or C might positively impact the business, but we're not 
up against leadership that say, no, we have to do it this way. And I think Mm -hmm. if anything, leadership that is saying we have to do it because we've always done it that way or changes too much or the change might cost us more than we think it's going to cost is actually going to just make the company be very stagnant. So being a young brand, being a leadership or having leadership that either been in footwear or been in consulting firms in the past, I think it just enables innovation. And it also creates the, I call it air cover, but the culture where we have the sponsorship to go and and take on risks, right? So I think a good example of that is recently we went to them and said, hey, three-year ocean freight contracts is not particularly standard for shippers our size. We're we're not big enough. And so, but we're going to go do this, right? We're going to try. We're going to try and push our partners to see if they'll do it and think outside of the box and work heavily with them. And we explained everything to our senior leadership. And they basically said, as long as we can pay less than we had to pay, you know, on spot market Mm -hmm. and trying to survive the last 12 months, let's do it. So, um, you know, I think that stakeholder buy-in and education is so critical to enabling the rest of the steps along the process. Um, otherwise, it just comes down to building a financial business case and making it justified. I mean, that's the second piece is it always comes back to the finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So business leaders, listen to your supply chain professionals. It's why you hired them mm-hmm. and let them guide you know, the supply chain and where it needs to go. And those conversations with the partners, like you said, right? It's just sitting down, having a conversation saying, you know, here's where we're at. They're like, here's where we're at and sort of coming together for that collaboration. Yeah. But staying on topic of trends, I wanted to talk to you about sustainability and social responsibility because from my research, Croc, has an entire philanthropy division, which is great to see. Tell us about that, why it's so important, um, why increasingly, you know, customers are actually demanding it. What does it mean to you personally in your career and as a woman in supply chain to work for a company where you have the opportunities to, you know, really give back to the community? I love it. Um, I think Crocs Cares has always been around as as long as I've been at Crocs. There's been something that's called Crocs Cares as a program, but it's been pretty um, on the down low. And so I love that we were able to pull it together into a organized, branded story that's really about you know, carbon and community and people-centric design. And so Crocs has definitely made some very public statements last year that I was so enthusiastic that they uh, actually stepped up and and said, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to show up. So one of them is that we're going to be 50% carbon neutral or or reduce our footprint by 2030. Um, We have kind of comfort with carbon. So that's working to try to have net zero brand innovation, um, comfort through communities, that's donations, which Crocs did quite a bit in 2020 for healthcare donations. And I think that's where a lot of people became very aware of the donations, but we've done them all along. Um, You know, so we, and we continue to have done them in Colorado. There was a fire um, that was basic at the beginning of of January, at the end of December. And we donated quite a few uh, pairs to local, local, Coloradoans who lost their homes. Um, And then comfort for all people is the last one. And I love this one because I think it's what really makes it authentic. I think it's one thing for brands to say, hey, we're going to be carbon neutral or we're going to be net zero or right. But it's another thing to show up genuinely. And one of the best things about Crocs is it's, it's a brand that invites you to be authentic, right? And I think that that's where it all ties together because uh, you can 
care about your community, you can care about your world, and you can care about your um, brothers and sisters and LGBTQ and everybody um, and take care of each other. And Crocs is, is all about that. So to me, that's where I really love it. And I'm more than excited to get to lead um, the supply chain and logistics space as we start to work through carbon neutral and defining what that means to get all the way to consumers' doors and, uh, and continue to delight the customers too. Yeah, and be a leader in that. And so for those of you listening who are maybe looking at a career in supply chain, you know, really take a look at the companies and organizations that you align with. Because what Mary is really talking about is being herself and then also being herself within an organization that accepts her for who she is and gives her opportunities to really, you know, not only put in the hours to work, but also put in the hours to the community in in ways that um, they're sort of allowed you to do that, right? They're just giving yeah. you that space and allowing to be for you to be who you are. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So as a woman, you know, what has your experience been in such a male dominated industry? I mean, I speak to a lot of people who are often only the woman, the only woman in the room, which happened to me a couple of times. Um, what was, was that your experience? What does that look like for you? You know, I, sometimes I catch myself looking around the room and I go, yep, I am the only female in the room, (laughs) but I am so proud to be able to say that the majority of our C-suite at Crocs are all women. Um, So I think some of the men at at our C-level look around the room and go, "Mm -hmm, I'm the only, it's the exact opposite dialogue, but um, that's within Crocs. I think it's been a a real goal within Crocs to continue to elevate women. And I feel like that's, uh, that's been an awesome opportunity for me to take advantage of. But certainly in logistics and in supply chain, yeah, it is a male-dominant industry. Um, but I have to tell you a little story of my first TPM. So yes. I was um, just starting in kind of logistics and supply chain. I was running an RFP. I was making carrier decisions and strategies. But to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just executing and um, being basically procurement in a lot of ways. And some people joined our company and somebody who had a lot of logistics background kind of took me in and and mentored me. And um, he pulled me aside one day and said, Mary, you're really good at this. Like, you should do this. Have you ever thought about this as a career? And I said, you know, it's just so much, there's men everywhere. And I don't, I don't really want to play the boys game, honestly. Like, I'll just take their numbers. I'll run them. I'll challenge them. But like, I don't want to be a part of that. And he was like, what? There's women everywhere. And so um, TPM was only like a month and a half away. He was like, we're going to this conference called TPM, which I had no idea even existed, to be honest. Um, And he made a point. He went out of his way to be able to introduced me to all of the women he had interacted with in his career at uh, prior shoe company. And um, I'm still good friends with many of those women today. And it was definitely a moment where, you know, I realized you can choose to see all of the men in the room and get overwhelmed, or you can choose to see all of the amazing women in the room and get motivated and go and stand next to them and be a part of that. And that was a transformational moment for me that um, this mentor is really one of my first mentors in the logistics space. Um, Mike Gavley, he, he helped me open my eyes to the fact that your outlook can, can determine your potential in a lot of ways. And ever since then, I've had amazing women I've been able to reach out to and build an awesome career with um, and, and grow. Don't get me wrong. I think there are 
a lot of men who are enabling women for success too. And, and I think mm-hmm. that we often can get rah, 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 women in the room, but just as amazing are the men who step aside and make room for amazing, strong women to be able to come to the table and be part of those conversations too. I love that. I got goosebumps all (laughs) over because it's all about perspective. It's all about how you see things. And we are starting to see, you know, more diversity on industry stages and in industry conferences. And I remember, you know, three years ago, we had a bunch of women get together at TPM um, for a dinner and mm-hmm. we all came together and I thought that was just such an amazing experience. And that's where you and I met really. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, it was an ad hoc dinner. One of my yeah. other friends said, Hey, you should join us because all these other women are getting together. <laughs> and that TPM, I had crutches because I broke my leg skiing like two months beforehand. And let me tell you doing TPM with crutches. Oh, no. Oh, no, good no, golly. No, no, that was no. painful. So I was just happy to sit down at the table. And I remember sitting down at the table putting my crutches aside and just being like, oh, I can sit down. And then I hear the woman next to me sighing and she's like, I just took my high heels off under the table. (laughs) And we were all like, yep, cheers. This is, we are here together. (laughs) And that's really funny because I just posted a picture of my conference footwear and it looks very different (laughs) than it did in what, 2019, because it's all sneaker not sneakers but you know like flats flats or or nice you know not even running shoes I don't even know what to call them they're like lifestyle shoes they're not stiletto heels anymore that's the point right no not even kitten heels maybe a little bit of a platform but you know we need we need to get back into what brings us comfort right I think priorities Mm -hmm. changed and shifted for me during COVID in the fact that no I don't need to sit down at a table at the end of the day and take off my heels for just five minutes because my feet hurt so much. And then, you know, get that one little teary eyed when it's time to go and you have to put them back on. I'm pretty sure I remember somebody just carrying their shoes out of the restaurant and saying, I'm not putting these on again. Oh, I'm so with you. I'm so with you. So let's go back to what you said about mentorship. Um, you you said that you've had quite a few mentors. Um, what do you think about mentorship? I know that I've got a lot of people that do approach me for mentorship. Um, I ask a certain amount of questions because at the end of the, the day, mentorship for me needs to be a two-way street. And so yeah. I want to know what they want to get out of it. What are they looking at it from, from my point of view and expectations? What do you think about mentorship? How do you kind of approach it? That's so critical. I think that, um, and I even catch myself doing this where I think, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for help with that, but I want to reflect so hard on what am I asking to gain out of this? How am I going to make this worth somebody else's time? Because yeah, I've had people approach me as well. And if they say kind of like, I don't know, I'm just really inspired by you. And I'd like to spend time with you. That's wonderful. We can go and get a cup of coffee. I I think that's great, but that's not mentorship. Mentorship is where you know you need to get somewhere and you see that somebody else maybe is already there and has been there in their journey and they can help lead you and um, give you feedback that is candid and safe to be able to grow. And so um, that's probably my first biggest, I guess, advice is if you're thinking you need to lean out and ask somebody for mentorship, think about what you're really asking for and be really focused in that. And then the second piece is mentorship can be amazing when you unlock that potential of it's a two-way street and you both get to grow together. I would not be where I am without 
many women helping me mentor and it's, it's not always, and men, um, and it's not always about mentorship that needs to happen, you know, for months at a time, sometimes even just one conversation where you can be really vulnerable and open can unlock potential. Um, so I think I'm always willing to support people when they come and ask for help. And I know that I'll continue to need mentors for the rest of my career. Yeah. And going into it, knowing the work that you're going to put in and being very conscious of that from the other side's perspective and being very forthcoming with that as well in the fact that you know what you need, you know what your ask is, and you know the level of effort that you are willing to put in, which I think is huge. Was there a moment in your career where you found your voice? Because for a lot of people, right, you're sitting in a meeting. And I know for me, especially at the beginning of my career, I was like, do I, don't I, do I, don't the butterflies kick in, the heart's pounding. <laughs> yeah. what, what did that look like for you? You know, I, I really reflected on this question because the answer is no, it wasn't just one moment. It was an incremental subset of a lot of little moments. And yeah. I kind of think of it as um, I've picked up I've picked up running recently. So if anybody who's into running, they'll understand that if you say I'm going to go run a half marathon or I'm setting a big goal for the end of the year of a full marathon, you don't just put running shoes on and go run that distance. You have to show up multiple times throughout the week. You have to do strength training. You have to put the work in and all those little tiny things that you do incrementally all enable that moment for you to run across the finish line. And so for me, I look back on this and I wouldn't say there was one definitive moment. I would say there were a lot of, a lot of little moments. And for me, finding my voice and being able to be authentic probably was more about a lot of little moments that helped me tear down my internal barriers that were holding me back. So like I said, my degree was in religious studies. I took an hourly job as a CSR. I asked questions. I had mentors. I Googled and YouTubed and did like, you know, supply chain for idiots was definitely a book on my desk at one point, um, as well as Excel for idiots, right? I self-taught and leaned out in the industry. And I had many conversations with people saying, should I keep just getting real life practice or should I go back to school? And everybody kept saying real life practice and just Mm -hmm. focus on real life practice. And so that came with managing right? The imposter syndrome is the is the key term there a lot of people use. But for me, it was reframing how to not look at why I was not fit or not capable or where I would fail and, and not look at the negatives, but instead say, actually, here's where I could be successful. And here's what could make me um, enable to do something. And that was a mental shift that just it doesn't happen overnight. It happens with small little moments along the way. And certainly women and men saying, hey, you know, you should come speak on this panel and me saying, are you sure? I mean, you and I had this conversation. I'm like, Sarah, why would you want me on your your, your podcast? I'm just little old Mary, right? Um, so finding my voice came with time, but it came with so much internal work to really stop asking you know, myself, why I'm going to fail, but instead start asking myself, why wouldn't I succeed if I took some of these risks and steps? Yeah. And, you know, what do I need to put into place or what do I need to learn and what courses do I need to take or what videos do I need to watch to learn more about this so that I will succeed. And I love that mental shift. And I also like your analogy around the running, right? Because even as an entrepreneur, 
right? And a business owner. It's everything that you do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be doing little things for eight hours a day, seven days a week, but it's that consistency. It's that effort. It's that, you know, just doing it and, you know, having those nerves and doing it anyways and having the nerves again and doing it anyways is really how you move forward and uh, get that done. So I love that. And thank you so much for for sharing that. So what does the future hold for you? Are there any new skills you're looking to master, new projects in the pipeline? You know, I am, I'm eyeing continually how to become an executive in a company. So certainly those are conversations I'm having actively with my leadership. Um, So continuing to evolve from being kind of that good, strong individual contributor where everybody said, yeah, yeah, Mary's got it. We don't have to worry about logistics to, okay, now Mary's got more in her scope and she's tackling more. Um, Certainly the excitement of everything we have going on between Hey Dude and Crocs and supply chain and growth. There's so much we need to do that um, it's... I, again, I, I feel like I'm making history in supply chain. I'm making history at Crocs with Hey Dude and I'm defining my career and, you know, this is the moment. And so I'm just excited to live honestly through the next 12 months because 12 months from now, I think it'll be a different conversation. Um, but in that moment, it's also continuing to be okay being vulnerable, continuing to be okay asking for advice or help or um, coming to the table and not thinking I know everything and instead leaning out to community and resources, having mentors um, and really focusing on that career path. And then outside of work, like I said, I'm going to do a marathon. So I've got to do all of this and then find that time for that, that marathon. I think those are my, if I could close out 2022, um, those are some, some of my big goals. Good for you. You will not see me running a marathon anytime soon. I am, I am, that is not one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. I'd rather play baseball. So you'll see me on the baseball there field. Hopefully this year, because the last two years have kind of been a crapshoot with that. Um, so finally then, what advice would you have for you know, anybody that is really looking to get into supply chain, but maybe more specifically girls who are looking at careers in supply chain or women looking at careers in supply chain? Yeah, I think um, I said fun a lot earlier in the podcast, and I think it can be fun if you're true to what really interests you and is passionate to you. So my first advice I would say is be honest with yourself if you're finding joy in it or not. And that's, that's true for any career, not just supply chain. Um, but I think a lot of people stumble into supply chain. And if they're honest with themselves, they say, actually, I do want to uh, evolve in the world of shipping containers, even though nobody around the dinner table knows what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> um, the second thing I would say is there is celebration in every step. So like I was saying, it was it was incremental steps that get you there. You know, you don't start at the summit. You start at the trailhead where you parked your car. You have to put your bag on one shoe on at a time. Right. So go slow. Be kind to yourself. Um, ask for help, ask for mentors. The community in the logistics space is so amazing and you're active on LinkedIn. And if anybody kind of would say, hey, I need help in this area, I know they could drop you a note on LinkedIn in two seconds. You'd be like, here's 10 names, go talk to them, right? And the community is so excited to continue to bring up new people into the community and to build their own community. Um, So I, I think that's those are some really important things in this time of quote, quote, the great resignation. It's so important to be authentic and to, you know, find out what makes you tick and really foster that both in terms of community, um, but also how you show up and how you show up for your team and your, your, your 
you know, leadership team, as well as the team that reports into you or that your peers too. Um, so it's just a few things, but it sounds so easy. There's so much introspection and vulnerability, like go get a Brene Brown book, spend some time <laughs> with it. Um, but, uh, but supply chain and logistics is such a, it's such an amazing place. If it's, if it's something that makes you tick. Amazing, amazing advice. And going back to your analogy of parking the car and and hiking to the summit, make sure you drink lots of water uh-huh. along the way. Self-care. Self-care is an important thing. Yep. It's so true. I talk about it all the time on LinkedIn. Well, I really love that. I mean, so much of what you've said today has resonated with me, has fascinated me and inspired me. Your attitude and approach is amazing, especially in the face of disruption and demand. And I think our listeners will really have a lot to take away from our discussion today. And Mary, I just want to say thank you so much for being in my community and my circle and for embracing me three years ago, you know, when I was there with Let's Talk Supply Chain and it was, you know, this little, this little thing that I was, I was trying to build. And so thank you very much for joining me today. You are amazing again, and I'm so happy to have you part of the Woman in Supply Chain series. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I love the community and love what you're doing. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com and check out the latest. Plus, use our search function because if you have a challenge in supply chain, we have most likely had the solution on our show. So remember to use the search function to find that solution. And remember to come back next week when I'll be talking to Frank of R2 Logistics all about what what they are doing as a 3PL in the world of logistics and how they put customer experience at the forefront of everything they do. And their customers are extremely happy with them, their team, and the technologies that they provide. So remember to come back. And if you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and also TikTok and Clubhouse. And remember, we've got the Blended Pledge. This is our new nonprofit arm where we are making a visual impact on industry stages because we want to see more diverse voices on industry stages. And we want you to help us and be part of that impact. So we've got a GoFundMe page for donations, individual donations. Plus, you can reach out to me if you are an organization looking to up your external DEI initiatives. Reach out to me because we've got lots of great ways for you to make an impact and join us as well. 
You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.